Back to football on Lockdown Syracuse today. We're talking recruiting, except this time we've got an expert. John Garcia, the director of football recruiting at Sports Illustrated, will join me. It's on Lockdown Syracuse. It's right now. Our Lockdown Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte here with you today on Lockdown Syracuse. Thanks for making it your first listen every day, free and available wherever you get podcasts. And with me on the show today is John Garcia of Sports Illustrated. John, how are you? I'm doing well. This is a, a busy time of year, fun time of year, especially talking uh, recruiting and college ball. So happy to check in with uh, the alma mater, of course. Yes, yes, we do love that about you, is that uh, you are a Syracuse man yourself. Um, and like you said, it is a busy time of year, even though it is college football playoff time, the championship game is coming up. Uh, but we still, of course, have to talk recruiting, and Owen and I have talked recruiting plenty on this show. We did recently uh, an entire episode uh, the day after National Signing Day about how Syracuse's class for 23 is incredibly weak, but like we talked a little bit pre-pod, uh, there's the transfer portal uh, that is in play now more than ever uh, that could potentially save them. And Syracuse is uh, ranked relatively highly in terms of uh, transfer portal imports, though there are a lot of exports. So I kind of want to start there. Um, this team is losing a lot of talent, uh, namely Jihad Carter, who just committed to Ohio State, and Deuce Chestnut. Uh, who were in the secondary. They are getting guys in at those spots, but the question I want to ask pertains to uh, why those guys left. I mean, is it just because Tony White, who was the defensive coordinator, left for Nebraska, or do you think there's some kind of underlying thing there, or do guys just leave? It's probably a combination of both. Uh, look, these guys – were consistent playmakers, obviously huge contributors, starters in that SU secondary. So yeah, when you when you lose the play caller, when you lose the the aggression uh, that is Tony White uh, that you've become quite comfortable with, it has a huge impact. Um, even at a small school level, I lost my coordinator my second year, and there was no transfer report or anything like that. But it was a big adjustment to get to that next spring and then to that next fall. So. There's an element of, ah, I have to deal with this anyway, so do I just change everything while I'm at it? You know, So I do think that's a part of it. But look, I do think from a profile and a spotlight perspective, you know, going to Ohio State, if, if, if you, I mean, come on. This is, this is a, a playoff perennial team every year. This is a Big Ten champion every year just about, except the last two. Uh, this is a spotlight national TV type of every single week program. So you don't fault anybody for making that type of jump i think that was kind of the initial fear of the portal for schools like syracuse because now your established players your starters your all conference performers are going to be poached by other teams that are trying to fill holes and if obviously you watched ohio state give up a billion points their last couple games in the secondary they need help there so naturally you see that playing out um in a certain way but 
there's no doubt that losing uh, the coordinator is a big deal on that same front. So in this day and age of NIL and, and kind of a splash, uh, off-season splash and having an opportunity really to, to become a rental for another program for a few months and, and hit it big, it's just there's so much precedent for that working out well uh, that you understand why why players continue to make this jump, even if they're happy, even if they're comfortable, even if they're established uh, like, like these two secondary players are. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. Jihad, we all knew was good. He made a huge jump this year and was better than ever. But I didn't think he was going to go to Ohio State. <laughs> I didn't think that at all. When I saw that, I was shocked. Uh, but I'm really happy for him going to a team, like you said, that uh, is in or around the college football playoff scene every single year. So hopefully he has success in the future. But losing him in dues definitely hurts. They also lose... Uh, a lot of lesser guys who are still important, guys like Steve Linton in that front seven. Uh, you lose Chad Schuster on the offensive line, Dom Foster, Josh Huff. But I feel like those are the kinds of guys that uh, maybe, you know, that kind of, um, you know, you lost Robert and I as well. So the offensive guys sure. are feeling the same thing as the defensive guys. And you're bound to lose some guys every year. So it's not, you know, entirely heartbreaking, but it is tough. Uh, but that brings us to the guys who are coming in. You're to, to fill those two spots of Jihad and Deuce, you have Jaden Bellamy transferring in from Notre Dame and Jaden Gould from Nebraska. What can you tell me about those guys? Yeah, big fan of, of both of these guys. I believe high school teammates uh, there in, in New Jersey. Uh, great potential, great size, ready-made size for the ACC right now with both guys. And here's the best part multiple years of eligibility remaining. I think yeah. that's the key. When you talk about leaving a program like SU, it could be, hey, one and done at your next stop. But when you're trying to fill and, and compensate for those losses, getting players that have a combined, what, six years of eligibility or maybe more to their name is, is a really big deal. Um, and look, Gould is a guy that we were really high on at SI. He was a member of our SI 99 last cycle coming out. Big hybrid safety type out of Jersey can play physical, can play coverage, can can probably play a little bit of nickel, even though he's, you know, 6'2", 200 pounds or so. Uh, so this is a big, versatile chess piece in your secondary. And then Bellamy, classic corner. Great hips, great leverage, technical player. Notre Dame's not going to bring you in if, if you're this kind of raw, loose cannon that has to be molded at the next level. They want technique, high floor guys, and, and so does SU. So I think those two pickups, while – they're not going to fill in the same exact way, you know, that 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 Jihad and, and Deuce were able to perform. They will provide their own, you know, strengths in that SU secondary. And again, there's versatility and eligibility with with both of these guys. So I think that's a really big plus in looking at the portal. And I, I've liked what SU's done defensively overall. You know, Braylon Ingram is a big time player uh, coming out of St. Thomas Aquinas a couple of years ago. Got lost in the shuffle a bit at Bama, which, again, at, on the defensive front, that's something that's going to happen. Uh, so naturally establishing, reestablishing that St. Thomas Aquinas pipeline is a big deal for SU. Uh, and getting players that have a chip on their shoulder and are a little bit hungry in the process, I think will always play well in the transfer portal. And again, Ingram multiple years of, of eligibility to his name there as well. So I really like the attempt and the the priority level of SU on that defensive side of the ball, even with the reshaped uh, coaching staff uh, on defense. I wanted to ask you about Braylon Ingram, because this is a guy who for Syracuse fans, I feel like it's, he's very, I don't know. It makes us feel 
you know, mixed emotions. This is a guy who medically retired while at Alabama, but he was a four-star going in. He played at Alabama. You know, Syracuse doesn't get Alabama transfers very often. What should we expect with this guy? Look, it's when you deal with, you know, one training staff's, medical staff's opinion, uh, it's tough, especially when it goes that far south, right? Um, but there are several examples of players who were – basically disqualified by their current school that made moves to to go elsewhere and, and made a lot of things happen. Uh, I'm a Miami native, so I think of Jalen Phillips, the pass rusher from UCLA, had a bunch of concussions early in his college career, medically is is advised to, to give it up, transfers to the University of Miami, and becomes a first-round pick. And he's like leading the Dolphins in sacks this year. So wow. there are a lot of examples of, of players moving on, taking that step back, and then jumping right back into it a year later. But in terms of athletically, Braylon Ingram is a modern inside-out type of, of pass rusher. You need interior guys who are going to be able to push the pocket on their own, um, not necessarily based on the, the schematics or having to run a stunt. This is a guy who can work inside and win one-on-one uh, and probably still has enough – I don't know how big he is at the moment – but probably still has enough functional athleticism to challenge you on the outside in more uh, short yardage or, or early down situations. So there's a lot of versatility here, multiple time state champion in high school. So that pedigree is there, obviously well coached in high school and, and at the collegiate level, just ran into the kind of snag that kind of makes or breaks you. Um, so he's betting on himself. Uh, so again, you, you like those type of prospects. Those are the ones that are easy, easy to kind of fall in love with as a fan um, and easy to see from a motivational standpoint when they do, you know, get that full change of, of scenery. And, and I don't know if there's a bigger change of scenery than uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama to uh, central New York. <laughs> yeah, that's he's. I don't know if he knows what's coming for him, uh, but he'll find out soon enough. All right, let's take a quick break for me to tell you about Bet Online, It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. It's all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, they have those two. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, okay, I, I also wanted to ask you uh, about, you know, back to the DBs just for a second. Um, Syracuse has gone on this interesting roller coaster in terms of defensive backs in the last couple of seasons. In one offseason, they sent three guys to the NFL and Andre Sisco, Fatu Melifonwu, and Trill Williams, two of those guys getting drafted. All three would have if Trill didn't have that injury. Um, but, you know, they kind of became you know, a very small miniature version of a little bit of a DBU. And you have guys like Jason Simmons who transferred in from New Mexico who said he came because he wants to go to the NFL and he saw uh, that Syracuse sends guys to the NFL. And that Syracuse also known for putting you on an island if you're a corner. You're not going to get help in the 335. Uh, you're going to be on an island. And Deuce Chestnut learned that the hard way many a times. And he got burned. Yeah. Sometimes he made great plays. But you know, how much do you think that still impacts guys uh, as Garrett Williams going to the NFL this year? But everybody, I think, in Syracuse land thought Deuce Chestnut was going to be next up uh, on that list. And maybe Jeremiah Wilson could be next up. But do you think it's these two guys? I mean, it could be. You know, I, I do think there is a yin and a yang towards that 3-3-5 relative to playing on the island. There are a lot of 
great athletes who prefer to play zone coverage because they can kind of play off the ball and read a little bit more. Um, but you you got to be kind of a dog to to want to play that man coverage. And I think that's that's why we have seen uh, so much emphasis on the corner position in particular at SU. It's not just about tallying up wins and losses. This isn't, you know, baseball or basketball where it's like the number tells me what, what it needs to tell me. It's more about the skill set, right? It's more about the technique. I mean, if you're losing a ball at the catch point when a guy makes a great back shoulder catch, the NFL or, or you know, all ACC voters, nobody's going to dock you for that in particular. It's about being in position just as much as it is about executing and winning or losing a given rep. So when you have that much uh, opportunity on the island, there, there's just going to be losses. That That's just a part of the position. But yeah, I, I think that opportunity will still exist. We know now with the internal promotions that it won't be vastly different than, than maybe it was under Tony White. So I think that's a good thing. That's good for continuity. Um, and it's good for expectation when you are starting to try to overhaul that positional unit through the portal or through high school recruiting, which we've seen SU attack on both fronts. But yeah, that, that's extremely coveted. And it takes a, a truly self-confident and open-minded player to jump into that because you know that's what you're going to get. Um, I think it's easy to hide in, in a lot of zone schemes or some schemes that are a bit multiple. But when you're on that island kind of 24-7, you know, you either have it or you don't. Um, so at least trying to find that out and assimilate towards that, I think, is is truly attractive for, for those types of alpha mentalities uh, when you're talking about talent acquisition, which is really the name of the game now in, in college football. And it's ever it's ever going right. It's revolving every day, it, it seems like. So I do still think that will provide an attractive angle from the Syracuse perspective. And now all of a sudden you throw, hey, there's playing time. There's opportunity available now, yeah. which really wasn't the case in the last couple of years because of all those great players you mentioned. You didn't really have that clear path towards, hey, if I go in and compete, I got a shot to be the guy day one. Now that exists. So that provides another layer of attraction, in my opinion, especially when you talk about the ACC and the type of schools that you're going to go up against, which is just as important in a lot of these portal players making decisions because they want that tape. They want those examples and samples of, hey, I went against Prospect X and held my own, just like we've seen SU do against the Clemsons of the world seemingly every single year. And you mentioned the 335 will be remaining in Syracuse with Rocky Long. Uh, coming in as the new defensive coordinator. So those transfers know exactly what they're going to get uh, in that defense. Switching gears a little bit to the 2023 class, Owen and I have talked about it. People have called us overreactors uh, <laughs> to the fact that they are last in the ACC in terms of the 2023 class uh, and below teams like UTSA nationally, according to 24-7. Um, my question is this. Actually, you know what? Brace yourself. I've got a couple questions. Uh, okay. <laughs> first of which is, are we overreacting? Is it a big deal that they don't have big names coming in? Syracuse, of course, is a school that has become, I don't know if notorious is the right word, maybe a little bit famous for taking three stars and making them great players. Michael Jones, three star. Sean Tucker, three star. Actually, that entire linebacking core with Stefan Thompson and Marlo Wax next to Michael Jones, three stars. Garrett Williams, three star. Is it a problem that they're all three stars? No, it's it's not. I, I think it's more of a volume issue. 15 signees is, is on the lower end of the spectrum. But again, if you have consciously pivoted, and, and I, know, I know there's signing day coming up February 1st, and maybe SU 
hits a couple other guys. But if you consciously pivoted to portal guys, I do think that there's a way to compensate. And there have been a lot of examples of schools that have done this and had a huge success. I think Ole Miss signed like 12 guys last year, and they were 7-0 at one point this year under Lane Kiffin. Mel Tucker and Michigan State have lived in the transfer portal and off of the transfer portal. I mean, and look at USC under Lincoln Rally this year. The portal can really provide not only just a supplement to your high school classes, but almost a one-to-one. You know, there are a lot of programs that are viewing the portal as the primary or equal source of talent acquisition as traditional high school and junior college recruiting. So I do think from a volume perspective, there's something to be desired from the Syracuse class. Obviously, two major, maybe the two best prospects in the class flip at the 11th hour. I think that that yeah. recency stains kind of the overall perception of the group because it profiles pretty balanced, right? You hit the trenches really hard. More than half of the recruits signed are going to play the offensive or defensive lines. Again, if you're talking about high-level ACC ball, that's what you need to see. SU has a track record of developing skill guys, I would say more so than those trench players. So naturally bringing in more trench players through the portal and high school recruiting seems advantageous. So they did check those boxes. And a couple of those guys are junior college players, right? So you're talking about basically portal additions, guys who are coming in with college experience uh, on deck. So I do think those uh, boxes were checked with SU. But again, when you have those two high profile decommitments, especially when one of them's your your future quarterback, seemingly in Lenore Sellers, I do think it stains the overall perception of the program because we all quantify it, you know, on signing day, December 21st, or in Sellers' case, a couple days later. So I do think that puts a, a bit of a perceptional stain on the class. But overall, you hit some needs, you started in the trenches, and you've now supplemented with the portal. That formula still works in college football. And again, it's the first week of January, right? You've got signing day in February and the portal while you're active in it right now is going to hit kind of another level in the spring, right? Because guys are going to go through spring practice, compete or, or, or fail in their positional battles. And those decisions will, will become revealed in April and May uh, thereafter. So there's going to be another influx potentially in, in talent acquisition in, in the coming months. So it's not sort of a finished product to judge just yet at that same time gotcha um okay well syracuse fans maybe uh be a little bit more excited about it at least more than me uh all right let's take one more quick break last one of the show this one brought to you by built bar if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories then you gotta try a built bar what makes built bar so good well for starters they're all covered in 100 percent real chocolate that's right real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and coconut almond i'm not sure how built does it but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros and what what's even better is that they're healthy only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 not 16 17 grams of protein and now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years we've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com now you can get them at your local walmart or sam's club that's right head to your nearest walmart today walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars you could pick up a four box of cookies and cream double chocolate or coconut puffs if you're close to sam's club 
run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Okay, continuing the theme of the 2023 recruiting class, uh, I want to ask about why Syracuse can't get the great guys, even though it might not be important, as we've just talked about. I'm just curious, and I want your your thoughts. I talked to Dino Babers, head coach of Syracuse, uh, at, at ACC Media Day, and I asked him, do you guys have, like, what is the strategy here? Do you look at the three stars and think these are the guys we know we can get, blah, blah, blah? And he said, no, we recruit the five stars and the four stars. But it's another thing to get them to say, yeah, I want to come to your school. Why do you think Syracuse has such a hard time? Because it's not just Babers. It's all the guys before him. It is so hard for Syracuse to even get a four-star. If it's a four-star, we're jumping for joy like we just won the freaking lottery. Why is it so difficult? <laughs> uh, it's a combination of things. Like, first of all, look, that's a limited pool, right? If you're talking five stars, four stars, it's a couple hundred guys in the country. And that might seem like a lot to – to, to a casual fan here, but there's a hundred, what 65 power five schools. Uh, and we know the top half of that group is, is commanding most of those blue chip entities. So it, it really is, is not an isolated issue for SU, but again, you you've had a track record of developing those types of players simultaneously. But I think some of the, the issues with recruiting there, look, it starts with the geography, look, it just is what it is, right? I mean, coming up to central New York is, is not something that a lot of players are intrinsically familiar with until they started to get recruited by Syracuse. It's just not a school that you grow up watching in this day and age, unfortunately, right? It's just not a school that has that cachet that you don't have to look into or research. It's something that has to be bought into at some point by a given recruit, whether it's visits, uh, happening to, to catch a top 10 play or seeing a Syracuse alum doing something great in the NFL, whatever it is, you got to have something that kind of gets you there. When you talk about Syracuse, that's not something that a, a lot of schools, frankly, on that top half of the power five have to deal with. Kids aren't researching where Penn state and Michigan and Ohio state and uh, Texas and Texas A&M and USC, they're, they're not researching much about those schools on the front end. Syracuse has to, to rely on that once they get involved with a recruit more times than not. So that sort of limits you regionally, although with the ACC move, uh, however many years ago now, you've been able to expand that, right? There is more familiarity on the eastern seaboard. You've won big battles in the state of Florida. So you've, you've been able to compensate a little bit on that geographical front, but still you want to expand that footprint as much as possible, especially in this day and age. So moving west of the Mississippi in particular, very difficult for Syracuse. I don't have the, the roster in front of me, but I'd be hard pressed to find double digit guys from, from west of the Mississippi. So that's part uh, of the issue there. Obviously winning or lack thereof is an issue. Um, perception is important in recruiting. I think that we talk about NIL, we talk about all these other factors, NFL, that have to do with recruiting, but perception is such a big deal because it's not just the recruits that you're trying to convince, right? It's the high school coaches, it's the parents, it's the mentors, it's the seven-on-seven -seven coaches, the adults in the room who also have this, at best, uneven perception of Syracuse football. So if they don't have a level of interest when that offer or that interest comes in from the school – the kid's not going to reciprocate it as much. So it, it has much to do with perception. And, and again, last year, let's go back 12 months, 
we're talking about is Dino Babers going to be the coach? Like, what does it look like, right? Before this early 2022 run that that SU went on. So that perception individually can hurt Syracuse because players want stability. They want to commit to a school where they know, hey, this coach is going to be here. And if that doesn't exist, there's a trickle-down effect because now school XYZ on my list does have that stability. So that's another mark uh, against the orange. So I think a lot of factors go into it, why it's just so hard to land some of these recruits. It's probably getting harder for SU, which is why, again, the portal and development kind of has to be the recipe here. You're going to hit some gems on the recruiting trail. You're going to find your Sean Tucker's of the world and and limp into some of those just just by the, the nature of the odds. But more often than not, your contributors, the guys that are going to be the difference makers, you're going to have to either develop them and have that long-term vision or bring in some portal players that you can sell because now they're a little bit more mature. They've been through the process already. They know what they want. So now you can sell something like playing on an island, as, you, as we talked about earlier. Or, hey, you're a dual-threat quarterback. I mean, look at what, what has been done here over the last several years. Now you can get, get more specific with the sell. But initially in high school recruiting, perception and that broad thought relative to the orange is what either makes you makes you or breaks you in a lot of cases and oftentimes it it breaks you and you don't even get a visit from prospect x so i think all those factors go into why it's so hard to actually win some of those recruiting battles gotcha last question i have for you because i know we're on a time crunch here uh i don't know if you've seen this but uh last couple of months or so adam weitzman syracuse's famous sideline fan uh, who has a lot of money, who brings random celebrities to games, whether it be Jimmy Fallon, Pete Davidson, whoever is coming to games. He said earlier this year that he will offer a million dollars to one football recruit and one basketball recruit per year as part of an NIL deal. Do you think that makes – I mean, he already offered it to a basketball player who said no, Elliot Cadeau, who picked UNC. Do you think that's going to get the the higher target value – or higher value – prospects to Syracuse because I know that there are teams down you know Texas A&M Alabama I'm sure they're giving out the same kind of deals they're just not publicizing it how do you feel about that look it, it has a its own cause and effect there um, there are schools that have absolutely turned things around with the help of NIL I mean look at Oregon under Dan Lanning uh, Miami under Mario Cristobal I mean Louisville had a great class and maintained a lot of it through a coaching change based largely on the comfort and projection of, of their NIL collectives and, and that alignment. So that's a huge deal in, in recruiting overall. But when you, you go public and have a big number surrounding it, it's at least going to perk your ears up as a recruit. Not, not every recruit is focused on that, but you know it's becoming a, a bigger and bigger deal every single year at, at that same line. So now it, it creates more awareness for a school like Syracuse. It's It's bold. It's big. It's not something that we're seeing – across the country publicly, as you mentioned, um, but it could be a Kickstarter. Again, that perception goes goes with NIL too. It goes with, it, it's everything. It goes with the TV market. It goes with the NFL draft. It goes with winning. It goes with stability, positional development relative to your, your position, but it also goes into that NIL category, which for some kids, and we talked to a bunch this week at the Under Armour game, it, it matters. It matters, and for some it matters a lot, uh, and I think that's – something that could potentially be advantageous for Syracuse. You have to try to win every gray area situation that you can um, when you're talking about trying to turn something around. So if NIL can somehow, not just individually, but collectively become a bigger deal 
at Syracuse, you will see naturally more talent at least show interest in, in potentially coming there. So I, I do think that's a huge, important step if it continues. Not individually. Look, one kid's not going to make or break anybody. Um, but if it becomes a thing and you start to align with the administration and the coaching staffs in the respective sports, NIL can absolutely not only – supply talent but it can sustain said talent once you get on the roster because now you're less inclined to hit the portal because your pockets are going to be affected just as much as maybe your draft stock or whatever it is that you're prioritizing right understood well john garcia thank you so much for being here today i appreciate you very much and we at locked on syracuse welcome you with open arms anytime uh this has been locked on syracuse thanks for making it your first listen every day go make your second one peter bukowski at locked on sports today available on youtube and wherever you get your podcast i'm matt bonaparte and i'll see you tomorrow